This is EIG Community Connection with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Hey friends, welcome to EIG Community Connection. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellenbecker Investment Group. And I absolutely love my job. I get to meet awesome people doing awesome things, and then I get to share it on the radio. How cool is that? On our show, we talk a lot about purpose and passion and inspiration. The show is not unlike all the ones before it and the ones yet to come. In that, we talk with wonderful people who are using their purpose and passion to inspire others. The difference is how and why. April is Autism Awareness Month, and today we're going to be talking to a mom whose passion is to educate kids about what it means to be a good friend to someone with autism, and then we'll meet another woman who takes that education a bit further and works with kids on the autism spectrum in terms of advanced education opportunities. My first guest is Denise Shamans, and she is one of the moms and co-founders that formed a nonprofit called Good Friend, Inc., Welcome to the show, Denise. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, when you hear the name of your nonprofit, Good Friend, Inc., that could be connected to just about any number of wonderful things out there. So who is Good Friend, Inc., and why did you start this nonprofit? Right. So Good Friend, Inc. was started in 2007. And to back up even before we decided to make ourselves a nonprofit, The story began when I was a volunteer district parent liaison for the Waukesha School District. And I had a uh, support group um, that I had resurrected for the district. And the support group, oh, I'd say we get about eight or nine people any given month and was sharing opportunities and resources that way. And a mother kept coming who I kind of knew because our sons were in the same preschool together, early ed, um, at three. And she would come in with all her binders. She's super organized. I am an artist by nature. I use my right brain. So having So does that all... mean you're not organized? <laughs> I will admit that I can be not organized at times, yes. And that's okay. She, yeah, right. She came in with all of her binders and wonderful resources. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is the yin to my yang, right? So mm-hmm. I thought I need to talk to her about an idea that I had. A while back, um, I had been going into my son's classroom, first, second grade, and meeting with all of the kids, sitting down with them, uh, reading a book about autism, uh, sharing with them how his autism affected him and how they could connect to him, how they could understand him and be his friend. And what I realized is after I had met with this mom and the binders and talked to her about what I was doing and what my idea was, I found out she was doing the exact same thing at her school for her son. Okay. Yeah, so it was a really great connection and we knew that we had something right away. Um, It was about educating and it was about really trying to create a a language, create a, a scene for the kids so they can relate to them because what happens is they start forming their own, their own, um, opinions of why they're acting the way they are. Maybe it's behavioral, maybe whatever whatever they're thinking. And so we wanted to answer those questions. And I found that so many of our kids in our schools have a lot of questions to ask. And if we're not answering the questions with honest, um, educated answers, they're forming their own opinions. And usually it's negative. Mm. So um, Good Friends sort of started out of that need um, 
of seeing that our our own children didn't have a lot of friends. They weren't able to make those connections. And then again, what did a friendship look like in school versus at home or in your family? What is a friend and what can they do? And it kind of boils down to acceptance and empathy. It's understanding what they're dealing with and then moving forward and supporting them. And so that's where Good Friends started. So we decided rather than make it a business, we decided to make it a nonprofit, knowing that our school systems might be a little more open to accepting us and bringing us in if we're a nonprofit. Okay. And there's obviously a number of different uh, autism organizations out in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, So what makes Good Friend Inc. different from other autism-related organizations? Yeah, I think what makes us unique um, in many ways and, and a niche that we have is that we are mothers of children with autism. We are living with autism. So when we go into a classroom, we are able to pull from our own personal experiences and um, offer our own children up because our, our teachers can't talk about their own students, right? With all of the privacy laws that we have, they can't share what's really going on, but we can go in and talk about our kids. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Mm -hmm. The teachers can't speak about the situation. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can talk in general. You can say we all have learning differences, which is what we encourage the teachers to do. Let's talk about how we're different learners or how we experience the world differently. And they can do that, but they can't use diagnoses. They can't talk about any specific child and what they were diagnosed with. And I've been in the classroom, and I know that there are all kinds of varying levels of of learning and styles. And so, yeah. And what's great about what we offer, too, is that it's not just for autism. What we're talking about is understanding just how we are as a person and how we learn in different ways and what our sensitivities are. Mm -hmm. I may not be diagnosed with autism, but I have a smell sensitivity. I have a light sensitivity. There are different things that each person has to deal with to get through their day. And sometimes our kids with autism have much more to deal with. And I can see how that would lessen the anxiety, both on the teacher side and from the kids' standpoint. Yeah. Um, what are some of the programs specifically then? Does yeah, so Good our Hope programs, um, they generally run kindergarten to eighth grade at this point. Um, we have two films that we made, we produced, um, award-winning films. We have our elementary DVD uh, film, which is, um, it's called We All Fit, and we have this really awesome music video at the end of it that we co uh, produced with the Figureheads, which is a local non-hip or a hip-hop group. Nice, yeah. nice. And uh, so that is our elementary-aged uh, DVD. And what we do with that is that is the base for our services. So we can go in and do an all-school assembly, general autism awareness type of assembly, using that film as the base. And then we have other examples. We have empathy-building exercises. We have disability harassment, which is a big word in our community, uh, bullying, what what happens if you bully somebody with a disability, that's all part of our service. So an assembly is what we do. We also do uh, staff in services, an hour to two or more, whatever they can give us. And then we also do individualized workshops. And these are really the best product that we offer because we can um, talk with, we do an interview with the parents, so we really get to know a student that's been identified with autism. Parents have given us consent to find out about the student, and then we tailor the workshop around that student. So it's really 
works well in the empathy area because we're really helping these kids understand this one particular student. So those are our three services that we offer at the elementary level. And then our middle school film is called Choosing to Be a GFF. And that is award-winning. And we... Um, a GFF whole, and yeah, not a BFF. GFF, okay. Good friend forever. <laughs> okay. In the middle school world, you know, we like to use those little acronyms. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So in that area, we don't single out. We do not do individualized workshops because all of our kids in middle school like to blend. And so that's what we really try to respect about this um, age group. And so when we go in, we do um, autism awareness, really. it's taught, And we really focus on our own children because as our kids now, my son is 19, we've been through all of that. And we've been through and we have some really good examples of disability harassment at the middle school level. So we hit that really hard. We talk about disability harassment, what it is, it's against three federal laws to, to bully somebody based on their disability. So we want middle schoolers to really step up and understand it's not just being nice to somebody with autism. It's really understanding um, what the ramifications are if you're taking these choices in your life. And then also how you can really support and understand what they're going through at that age. And I think there's a, a buzzword out there that's being used a lot in, in terms of exclusive ex, exclus, inclusivity mm -hmm. and what that means. Can you elaborate on, on that and why does inclusion matter? Yeah, inclusion was always super important to me as a parent. Um, in our, in a lot of our schools, and in, it varies from state to state as far as what they think inclusion is. So a lot of our schools are actually mainstreaming, which means their child with special needs is in the classroom for a certain amount of time, and then they're pulled out to get services or support, and they're taken away from their peers and their, their gen ed teachers. But an inclusive environment and an inclusive school means everything is there in that classroom. That child is not leaving that classroom for any other services. Okay. So all the services are there to support the student. That's a truly inclusive environment is if they don't ever leave their peers. So we want to make sure that we are offering all the support to them within that environment and around their peers. And so everybody really benefits from that. Okay, and a lot of the programs that you have, they all sound great. How are how are the programs funded? So our programs are funded. Um, well, we have events, we have fundraisers, which you know tend to be uh, a good time. But we also have uh, grants that we write. We have um, donors that give to us on a regular basis, and we do an annual appeal every year, um, asking for support and funding. So many different avenue stream, revenue streams. Okay. Well, research shows that the rate of people with autism is continuing to grow. And in 2001, it was estimated 1 in 150. And now in 2014, it rose to 1 in 68. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously a need for resources out there for families. Yes. Parents of children with autism are sometimes called warrior moms, I understand. So stay tuned for the separate but connected missions these warrior moms were called to. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG Community Connection with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Denise Shamans from Good Friend, Inc., we said before the break that there's an increasing number of kids being diagnosed somewhere on the autism spectrum. So we need increased education and resources available to families to help support this. 
I understand there's a group out there called Warrior Moms who have a mission. So can you explain to us, Denise, um, what that mission is? So Warrior Moms, it, when I think of that term, I think of all of the moms that I know that are um, living with autism on a daily basis. And what that means is, you know, we live in a resource-rich state. We have quite a few organizations that support our kids with autism. And then as we navigate the lifespan of our kids, we get to a point where we're starting to create that independence and letting them fly, right, and letting them go. And that's what our, our schools want us to do. But the reality is, is once our kids um, age out of their school years, and in, in our state it's 21 if they choose to stay on, there's not a lot of options there. And what we have to do is create opportunities, and we have to look for opportunities for our kids. So I think, you know, when you first are diagnosed, get that diagnosis, you have to figure out how that affects you as a person and how that affects your family. So you're fighting. You're you're sort of looking for all of the options to support your child, whether that's in-home therapy, whether that's um, taking different natural approaches, um, whatever you're looking for, that's part of the warrior mentality, right? You have to you have to fight for your child's future, basically. And then um, I think you just develop a really uh, a thick skin on what you have to handle in a day and how you get through your days. And sometimes what you think is a traditional family may look different. So there's always something that you're you're working toward. And I, I don't want warrior mom to be a negative thing. I, I think it just we just need to celebrate how much work we have to do and how much work our kids with autism have to do to survive in this world. And so as they get older, that job doesn't go away. We're always worried about their future. We're always worried about whether they're going to be employed or move on and have some education, um, how they're going to be an independent adult. And so that warrior part comes with all of that. It's constantly fighting for our kids' future and making sure that it's a really great one. Yeah, advocacy is so important. Uh, You want to make sure that you're providing all the resources that you possibly can. Do you guys have like a hashtag warrior moms out there? <laughs> I'm not aware of that, but I'm Maybe sure you got to start be. something that's like a me too type of thing. You <laughs> right. know? Hashtag warrior moms or exactly. moms on a mission or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but Good Friend has been creating autism awareness and acceptance and empathy for about a decade now, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. So what has most surprised you in your line of work? Oh my, so many surprises. I think um, when I... The biggest one for me is just the surprise of how many families aren't okay with divulging or or acknowledging that their child has autism. And you know what? In the long run, it's really difficult, and it creates a lot of problems for them as they get older. In our state, they do have to identify themselves and be part of their IEP at the age of 14. So if we're not letting our kids know about their disability and how it affects them, I think that is a huge um, problem that we need to address. So that's been a big surprise because like I said, when we go into the schools, if we're going to do a workshop, we have some kids that the parents are like, great, let's talk about autism. Let's talk about their autism. And like I said, we're all positive. It's a positive base. Mm -hmm. It's all strength based that we're talking about. Um, So we want more parents to be okay with talking about autism and understanding and sharing that with their child because you're reflect you're showing them that you're okay with it. Absolutely. That you're, you know, it is a struggle, but 
we also want them to take ownership of that at some point in their life. But who doesn't have a struggle? I mean, right. you know, regardless of how many kids or, or what your kids might be dealing with, you right. know, it seems like everybody has a struggle. I know I was talking to a, a mom uh, of a, a child with Down syndrome, and she said, you know, some people, once they uh, understand that they have a child with Down syndrome, they're, they'll say, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. And she's like, I don't know why they say that. Why don't they, you know, we need to switch that thinking to say, congratulations. You know, you have a wonderful, beautiful child here that, Mm -hmm. that just has some different issues or challenges than some other child does. And so let's celebrate those differences instead of trying to minimize them, I guess. And that's it too. I mean, that's been a surprise too, is really trying, I've, been so blown away about what my son has been been able to accomplish that when I first got that diagnosis, I would have never been able to wrap my head around that. I mean, he changed our lives, his family's lives. He's changed my trajectory, my career. It wasn't a choice to be a a nonprofit co-founder. I went to school for fine art. That was where I was headed. And, you know, so the surprises that you're Um, son or daughter brings to you with their autism is amazing. He's opened my eyes to a whole different world that I never thought I would have the opportunity to see. Absolutely. God uses everybody's blessings in a different way, right? That's right. Um, So so what's next on your journey for a good friend? Yeah, well, we're not slowing down. We're actually speeding up. So we're we're really um, adding to our fundraisers. We're adding to our donor base. We have our eyes uh, set on a new project, which would be the next in our film series. So as our children get older, we created films to go with their lifespan. Uh, We wanted to make sure that we were respecting where they were and that we had a direct knowledge of that because we were living it. So now that our sons are 19 and they're in that transition phase of their life, we need a film for that. So our next film is actually going to be kind of a two-part series or, or film where half of that will be for high schoolers because we want juniors and seniors who are looking to their future, maybe entrepreneurs that would start their own business. What are they? We want them to be aware of their peers with autism. They could be employable. And how can we make that happen? Mm-hmm. So we want to hit the the juniors and seniors from the high school perspective. And then we want it to be sort of a, a and open the door, uh, understand autism, how they can bring someone into our employers. So looking to people that would never employ someone with a disability or autism and offer them all of their strengths, all the value that they can bring their company. And so the training has to come from that kind of world. So we want to do sort of a documentary to that and show people that have been successful on the autism spectrum that have been employed and are still at the same place of employment and are happy. And um, we want to show that and value that. So that's our two part. And that's uh, a video, another yeah, video that you do have a, a, a group lined up for that too. Like we've you have, got lots of ideas. <laughs> is it going to be that. a hip hop group or maybe something? <laughs> I don't know about the music video for that, but you know, we uh, now that we're in this transition years, we've met a lot of uh, young adults that I think we would love to highlight in our film and employers that are doing the right thing. There you go. And I think with your talk with Stephanie, that'll be coming up. I Mm -hmm. think that'll lead into um, where we're looking in the future. Okay. Well, what would you say then is the one thing about autism that is most important for people to be aware of? If you were just going to put something out there, uh, maybe sum up our conversation, what's something that you want to make sure people understand? 
Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind is assume competency. So really understand that our individuals with autism can do pretty much everything. And let's set that bar high. They may need more support or a different kind of support. It might look different than the norm. But I really think that we need to start thinking them, thinking of them as very competent individuals that may need a little more support. Well said. Very, very nice. What about events coming up? Oh, Anything yeah. on the horizon? Here? Yeah, we have on April 15th, which is a Sunday, we have our big bowling event. And we only have nine lanes left. So I want to make sure I put that out there by the time this airs. Um, we're hoping to fill up all those lanes. So you can go to our website for that. But it's a, a bowling event. It's a rock theme. It's called Rockin' for Good Friend. And um, the time is 1030 in the morning that we have those slots left. Great. Okay. Contact information. We always want to make mm-hmm. sure we get that out there. You have a Facebook page? We do. So okay. we have uh, multiple. We have a We All Fit, which is our, our um, elementary video page. We have the Rockin' for Good Friend, for, which is just for the bowling event. And then we have our Good Friend page. We also have a Choosing to Be a GFF page. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot out there on social media. What about uh, website, uh, contact information? Mm-hmm. So our website is goodfriendinc.com. And then um, my personal email is Denise, D-E-N-I-S-E, at symbol goodfriendinc.com. Thank you. Thank you, Denise, for sharing the mission of Good Friend Inc. Thanks. Uh, many students in the United States struggle to adjust to the challenges of college, like Denise was alluding to before, uh, like dorm living, sudden independence, rigorous class schedules. It's just a whole new social world. But for people with autism spectrum disorders, that transition can be more abrupt and dramatic. A study done in 2014 said 35% of kids on the spectrum attended college and about 55% held a paying job after high school. Let's see how my next guest is helping to bump those numbers up. Join us after the break to hear more. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG Community Connection with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to EIG Community Connection. I'm your host, Jill Economo. I talk a lot about how blessed I am to be able to do what I do. I'm the director of community outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And one of the things I do is talk to people who are doing amazing things in our community and then share that information on this Community Connection radio show. It's a great way for small grassroots nonprofits to get some exposure and then just let the community know what they're doing and share how people can get involved. There's certainly no shortage of wonderful organizations out there that are making a difference in our community. And we're here to shine a light on these organizations and this next nonprofit is is no different. My next guest is Stephanie Mock, Administrative Director and Co-Founder for Wisconsin Independent Learning College, located right out here in Waukesha. Welcome to our show, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And we talk a lot about purpose and passion, as I said, on our show. Can you tell me, first of all, what inspires you? And secondly, how does the Wisconsin Independent Learning College inspire their students to achieve purpose and passion in their lives? So my son is 25 and he has autism. And when he was in high school, we were trying to figure out as a team where he was going to go and what was he going to do. 
And there's really not a whole lot out there after our kids leave high school. There are some transition programs that go to 21, but some students don't fit into those. And that's not a good, that's not meeting their needs. And Rob was one of those. So I started looking at what could I do for his future and for other students that are like my son, Rob. And so WILC, Wisconsin Independent Learning College, was created in September 2012. We opened our doors and we started with three students and three staff. And we really worked on daily living skills and pre-vocational training and social aspects of the world of autism and keeping our students engaged and active and being part of the community. Really have a purpose in life, just like everyone else. Because they they talk about how there are so many resources available in the, you know, K-12 arena, but that they decrease significantly once they get out of out of high school. Right. Right. And many students with autism don't meet the criteria for traditional colleges. Okay, Um, maybe they don't have uh, this. I wouldn't say the skills, because what I found with working with students with autism, is most of them are extremely intelligent, maybe more intelligent than, than you or I or, or a lot of their peers. But they just don't have the skills to be able to share that, to, to really access their knowledge and express it. So many of our students at WILC could be called functional nonverbal. I prefer to call them as maybe minimal expressive language. So expressive language is not their first way of communicating. They have issues. They have challenges in that. So they're able to communicate in a lot of different ways, and we're able to give them tools. One of our tools is called Rapid Prompting Method, RPM, and that's where our students are able to effectively communicate using a letter board using this RPM, Rapid Prompting Method. So we have to have trained people working with them, and we do have one professional in the area, Jackie Dorhorst, who is a certified RPM provider. She's able to help us at WILC, and she helps many, many kids with autism in our community as well to be able to communicate and to be able to assimilate right? right I mean we talk about how important it is for kids and adults with autism to assimilate into the community so tell us why these daily living skills and the pre-vocational training is so important for your students and really what that looks like you talked about the that program but maybe there's some others right so we focus at WILC on the daily living skills so we teach our students how do you cook a meal how do you go grocery shopping What are some leisure time activities that you like? You or I have leisure time activities that we gravitate to, we like, we know how to do. Many of our students with autism don't know what they like because they haven't been exposed or they haven't been taught. We have to teach the skills that you or I take advantage. I mean, we just take you know, advantage that we know how to do those. Our students with autism don't have that. We need to teach them step by step sometimes. But every student is different. Every person with autism is different. And I don't think it's any, it's not unlike some other kids who, you know, we got to teach our kids how to do laundry. I mean, you know, let's be real. You know, they they don't do it consistently or we need to teach them how to cook. I, you know, I don't think it's any different than, than, you know, I have three kids and we had to teach them all those types of things too. So it's not all that different, right? Right, but it's a very structured environment, how we teach our students. Um, We use a lot of prompts, but we also really work on visuals, maybe a task analysis to help them. So skills that 
skills that are used outside of the autism world, but we're very um, dedicated and we understand what we need to do to help our students be successful. And we also use different tools. So if something's not working, we need to try it a different way. Let's try to figure out how they're learning or what they need that day. Some days they need more support than other days. Okay. So now those are daily living skills. Uh, so let's talk about educational programs. You know, there's a lot of educational programs that, uh, or are there a lot of educational programs that work with people with autism over the age of 21? Not that I found. Some of the standard colleges are starting different programs within their colleges, which is great. Um, but there aren't a lot of programs out there for kids with autism above the age of 21 that I know of. Again, I think we are very we are autism specific, so our students have to have that diagnosis of autism. There are a lot of programs out there that are open for students with disabilities, so not just autism. Okay. But there are not there aren't a lot around. Okay. And then how are your programs funded? So we use Many of our students are using long-term waivers here in the state of Wisconsin. One of them is called IRIS, which is a self-directed program where our students have goals and then they choose where they want to go to work on those goals. And so most of our students use their IRIS funding to pay for our program. But we also are a nonprofit, so we do a lot of fundraising because the IRIS income, the tuition that is paid, doesn't cover all of our program. So not only do we work on daily living skills and pre-vocational training, but a lot of times we're helping our students with their sensory needs and also decreasing anxiety and stress because those are really important as they look into their future with employment. So we work with yoga to help them and work on mindfulness and positive thinking. We also do music therapy, and we also add in art activities and rec recreational activities as well. We oftentimes go to the Y or do different activities just to help them be engaged and also be able to work together cooperatively as they use their lives to help others. And, uh, you know, you talked before about the workforce and you know as far as preparing them for the for the workforce I think that's that's important autism uh, research shows that autism costs the United States about 367 billion dollars per year in productivity and medical expenses about the same as diabetes interestingly enough one way to cut down on these costs is to move more adults with autism into the workforce so stay tuned to hear how Wisconsin Independent Learning College is contributing to that goal you're listening to EIG Community Connection with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to EIG Community Connection. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Stephanie Mock from the Wisconsin Independent Learning College in Waukesha. Stephanie, I understand that there's a growing number of companies filling job openings with qualified candidates from the disability community. In fact, I saw recently that there was a software company called SAP America, which is headquartered in Pennsylvania, who started a diversity and inclusion program in 2013, and they plan to have 1% of their global workforce, which is about 650 people, come from the autism spectrum by the year 2020. I think that's that's great. That's great. Yeah, kudos to SAP for recognizing a need and uh, offering a solution. I'm sure there's others jumping on the bandwagon. So 
WILC, do they offer jobs? Are you preparing in terms of um, preparing the students for jobs in the workforce? How are you doing that? We are. So WILC is a vendor with DVR, Division of Vocational Rehabilitation. We actually have a vocational instructor on staff who works with our students to find out what they want to do for a job, for employment, long term. We don't want our students to just go get any old job because the job is there. We want them to be invested. So Susie Thomas is our vocational instructor. She works really hard with our students to find out what they want to do and how they want to do it. And then she goes and she finds companies who want to have our students there. And she actually job carves. So she goes out into the companies and talks about the skills some of our students have and what kind of jobs could they be doing in their business. So that's how it gets started. So right now we have seven students who are actively employed, part-time employees oh, of companies. that's wonderful. Yeah. It is. We're very excited. This has been all in the year, last year and a half. Okay. So some of the companies that are working with our students, Canoils is out in Waukesha. Grimstead is a company in Muskego, and they have hired two of our students. We also have a student at Walmart. We also have a student at LeBry. And we have other companies that Susie is working to find employment for our students. And so I imagine in all different areas, right? It Customer is. service maybe or Right. And Wildwood Lodge is another one. I'm just remembering okay. it. So all of our students have different things they want to do. Some of our students want to be in the manufacturing industry. So Grimstead is a really good match for those students. Labrai, as you know, is a cosmetic company in our area that does natural cosmetics. So one of our students is working out there. Um, so it's just really wonderful that our students have different wants and needs. One of our students really wanted to work at a hotel. He did a work experience, and now he is an employee at Wildwood. So really working on what the students want to do, their strengths, their interests, and then having companies be open to having our students there as employees. And it's nice to have somebody, again, advocating for those students and going out there and, what did you say, she carves out or she, she goes... She job carves. Job carves. Yeah. Okay, that's a new term I haven't heard of before. So she's she's understanding, like you said, the strength of the individual student going out to these organizations. And again, there's increased number of, of companies that are recognizing that these um, that there's wonderful opportunities for kids on the autism spectrum and they can do a great job. I was talking with someone recently who said, that manufacturing is a good fit and also uh, computers working on um, in the computer arena is is a nice fit. So Right. And being a DVR vendor, that means that our students can do job shadows. They also can do work experiences. So they could have a job for, for 8 to 12 weeks at a company where it's no cost to that company because DVR is paying for our students to be there. So it's kind of a like it is, a work experience. So our students get to show what they can do in that 8 to 12 weeks, and then the company can decide, do they want to hire that person to be their employee? So it's a great, it's a win-win situation. Absolutely. We like those those win-win situations. I'm curious, as we're talking, so uh, if, if someone has a child that's on the autism spectrum, they just call WILC and say, I have a student or, or I have a, a child that is looking to become a student. How does someone who is interested in getting involved in the college, how do they go about doing that? 
So we work with students ages 18 to 30 who have an autism diagnosis. So that's one of the steps. Um, On our website, wisconsinilc.org, we have an application process that's there. They also can call us and ask to have a tour to see what we're all about. We also have open houses twice a year. They also can just call and ask for us to share about our program. Okay, so not unlike any other college, there's an application process of sorts that they go through. There is, and it is quite lengthy. The first part is that online piece, and then we have several different parts to go along with that. We do an interview with the parents. We talk about strengths and weaknesses. We ask for IEPs or other documents that they have about their student. So we're able to get a fuller picture than we share about WILC because what we want to do is we want to make sure that WILC is the right fit for that student and that student is the right fit for WILC. Okay. That's definitely important. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so since WILC is a nonprofit, what should our listeners know about opportunities to help make a difference for your students? So we talk a lot about uh, ways that our listeners can volunteer. So let's say somebody is listening and they say they want to get involved in some way. What are some ways that a volunteer could help? So we do have a couple volunteer positions open at WILC. We oftentimes have like a spring cleanup day where we need a lot of volunteers to help us get our building ready for summer. We also put things out on our Facebook page so that they would know about what we need. Um, We're always looking for activities for our students to do in house. So maybe you're part of an organization that has a huge mailing or something because we want to teach our students how to do those activities. We also work with the Waukesha Food Pantry and the Hope Center in Waukesha and our students bag laundry detergent for the food pantry. We bag up um, laundry soap but as well as diaper wipes and diapers and birthday bags. So we're always looking for activities that we can do with our students in our walls to that's help a, them gain those skills. Yeah, that's a good point because we're saying we want we want to know how volunteers can help, but you guys also are able to provide the volunteers, like you said, for the Hope Center. And, and so to marry those two together, if you're an organization that is looking for volunteers, then they can also call you Absolutely. Uh, or looking to volunteer with the organization. That's right. great. What about events? So we have our big fundraiser once a year, and that's our gala. And that will be Friday, November 2nd, and that's at the Waukesha Marriott. But we also obviously need ongoing donations to help support our program. Right now we are just doing an appeal. So we sent out a bunch of letters with um, information about what we're doing and how that money could be used. We are right in the middle of a kitchen project, so we're trying to build this huge kitchen back in our warehouse area, and we really need money, but we also will probably need some volunteers in there in that area as well. So if you are uh, good, have good carpentry skills, perhaps, you yes, could use somebody absolutely. to help you there. Or if okay. you know someone who would have plumbing or um, 
the appliances. We don't have appliances yet for that big kitchen that will make such a difference in our students' lives. Okay. So many ways that our listeners can can help out. Absolutely. So Stephanie, can you just one more time give us contact information, telephone numbers, emails, websites? One more time, please. Sure. So the direct number to WILC is 262-332-7334. We have a Facebook page, Wisconsin Independent Learning College. We keep that fairly up to date, so that's probably where people want to go to see more about us. We do have a website, and that's wisconsinilc.org. That kind of needs a little updating. So also, if we have someone out there who might have that in their wheelhouse. <laughs> There's a call to yeah, action. There up. is. There is. And I'm the person you'd contact for that. So, um, and then my email, my direct email is smauck at wisconsinilc.org. Wonderful. Thank you again. Uh, I'd like to actually thank both my guests today, Denise Shamans from Good Friend Inc. and Stephanie Mock from the Wisconsin Independent Learning College. Shining a light on these and other nonprofits is such a great way to educate people and to, to just to know what's out there and to share resources to help make our community a better place to work and live. If you'd like more information about the people or the organizations we talked with today, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. You can also tune in to our Money Sense radio show that airs on Saturdays and Sundays, or visit our website at ellenbecker.com for the podcast from both these shows. Or you can now tune in via the iHeartRadio app, or you can try saying, Alexa, Play WISN AM 1130 on your Amazon device. Join us again in two weeks to hear from other inspiring people on how they're making a difference in our community. And I encourage you to go out and shine your own light. As always, be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a wonderful weekend.